Hello, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Afri Talk podcast, where we come together as a community to discuss, learn from one another, and share our experiences as Africans in the diaspora. And my name is Jackie. Thank you for watching my previous video and listening to my podcast. If you've not had a chance, I'll put a link in the description box so you can go right away and listen or watch if you also have a story to share you've lived uh, in africa or in the caribbean or elsewhere before moving to the west send me a dm on email and yeah we'll have a conversation about that Lisa, welcome <laughs> you hi how are you doing you on the show? i'm good how are you <laughs> great i'm good too i'm good too so we're just going to yes you're welcome so we're just going to go right into it where did you grow up So I was actually born in the Netherlands, but at the age of seven, um, we moved to the Caribbean, specifically St. Lucia, where I lived there for about six years. And then um, I moved to St. Martin together with my father after my parents divorced. And I lived in St. Martin for about four to five years before returning to the Netherlands again. Okay. And how was it growing up in in the Caribbean? It's it's classified as Caribbean, right? Or or island? the caribbean absolutely yes. so okay. the general term is caribbean but of course in the caribbean you have different islands um well growing up in the caribbean was absolutely fantastic to be honest with you um it has of course it has its ups and downs its cultural challenges but to be very honest with you um i think what i loved about growing up in the caribbean was the togetherness um and always the the warmth of people and everyone always in a good mood no matter the challenges that they face in life <laughs> mm, yeah. so it's always you know put a smile on your face because you woke up this morning you're blessed um so that is one of the things that i absolutely enjoyed growing up in the caribbean i can see it on your face whilst you're talking about you're just smiling <laughs> yeah it's it's only good memories you know i absolutely love going on vacations there right now as well because whenever i'm in a down mood or whenever i feel like yeah I need some warmth in my body. <laughs> That's where I go. Okay, but why the Caribbean though? Because why well, are your parents both from the Caribbean or where, where are you originally from? Right. So uh, my mother, she's actually German. It's my father who's from the Caribbean. So he was actually born in Curaçao, which is also a Caribbean island more towards the south. Um, but he was raised in St. Lucia. And he, of course, traveled um, within the Caribbean as he was growing up as well. So that is how we also ended up in St. Martin because he lived in St. Martin for a few years as well, prior to when him and I moved back to the Carib- to, to St. Martin, sorry. So it's actually my father who is the Caribbean side of the family. <laughs> oh, I get that. I get that. I get that. So how was school? How was friends? How was your life there? Apart from being warm and everything, were you happy there? Would you have done it all again? To, you know, if you were born now again, reincarnate <laughs> or whatever, would you want to live there again? Tell me about it. Yeah. So, I mean, living in the Caribbean absolutely has its challenges, you know, um, but It has its economical challenges, its social challenges, its cultural challenges. Um, Sometimes you're also faced with racial challenges, of course. Um, But overall, the experience, I would say, um, it it shaped and molded me into the person I am today. You know, Um, I think the beauty of being raised in the Caribbean is that you're faced with so many different cultures because a lot of people from different islands, they relocate to different islands. So there's a lot of intercultural (laughs) mixing I would say Um, also people from other countries who settle into the Caribbean so you're very much exposed to different cultures at least that's the experience that I got growing up in the Caribbean 
is how multicultural everything is. Um, and yeah, going to school, um, I think um, the beauty of going to school in the Caribbean was, um, again, the multicultural background. You know, you see children from different backgrounds all together in a classroom. Um, and of course, you know, the dialect and the slang and everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then once we're in class, you know, we have to speak the proper English or the proper Dutch or whatever language you're being taught at in, sorry. And um, yeah, it was just funny to see that one school was over, we're back to our, you know, Caribbean slang and dialect. And, you know, um, so I think that that was one of the beautiful things about growing up in the Caribbean is how you switch back and forth um through to different languages i would say um and yeah i think um although it has its challenges um overall i have to admit that i've learned a lot it shaped me into who i am today and it has made me uh, very sensitive to cultures you know um mm -hmm. very understanding to different cultures as well and able to adapt quickly because of all the challenges that i have had to face uh, which challenges, if I may ask? Can you maybe tell us a bit, uh, like a few or so? Uh, absolutely. So, um, you know, I come from very humble beginnings. <laughs> so, um, you know, you have the, the economic challenges, you know, um, where parents are struggling to make ends meet, for instance. Or you also have um, racial challenges, you know, where within the community you have the comparison of the who's lighter than who you know or you oftentimes think the lighter the skin the the higher the economic status so to speak. Ah, by you you are light or not compared to me <laughs> compared to me i don't even know how to put it <laughs> absolutely you know um but still you face these types of challenges you know um you also have for instance um one part of the island extreme poverty and then on the other part of the island you suddenly see bigger houses you see different types of you know um uh, how do i phrase this <laughs> mm. you know there's a there's a huge uh, the difference gap. between rich and poor exactly there's a gap you know you can really see the gap so to speak um and so which city was it were you living in um, well, in St. Lucia, we lived in Bonterre, which is more to the north of the island, um, whereas my father, he came, he grew up in the south of the island, Viewfort, it's called. Um, but okay, there's huge differences between the north of the island versus the south of the island. As you go down more south, you start to see more, you know, rural areas, you know, um, more shacks and, and you know, the, 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 the landscape changes as you go along the island, as you travel along, you know, um, and you really see that gap between rich and poor. So that is one of the challenges that I have had to face in the Caribbean and also very much so acceptance, you know, um, also um, when it comes to education, for instance, you know, if you don't have the right passport, so to speak. So for instance, I was born in Europe, so I have a European passport. So for me to pursue my university education wasn't much of a challenge because I already had the right nationality, so to speak, because I still maintained my Dutch nationality. And yeah, so going to university, there was no issue in that. It was just simply get a plane ticket and head to the Netherlands and I'm able to study, you know, versus those who are actually born on the island. You know, the challenge is where do we get the money from to be able to study abroad? You know, not everyone has that equal opportunity. So these are the different challenges that you would face, for instance, in the Caribbean. Mm, wow. 
So when did you decide to move to, well, the West to live here and work and school and everything? Why didn't you just stay in your beautiful island where the sun every day, the people who are warm and all that? Um, well, at the time when I came to the Netherlands, I was 18 years old and I was living with my dad in St. Martin at that time. Mm. So I lived for about four years from the age of 14 till 18. I lived in St. Martin. And although St. Martin at that time was um, still uh, part of or still is actually part of the Netherlands. Um, I hope I'm phrasing this correctly. <laughs> mm-hmm. We just Google it and see. <laughs> yes, there was some Leave political- a comment in the comment section <laughs> if you know the right answer. <laughs> exactly. There were some political changes, of course. Um, so a lot of so people who are you know born in St. Martin, they they do get Dutch passports, so they have opportunities to go overseas. But the reason why I didn't stay is, of course, you have universities, yes. Um, however, um, for me, the issue was exactly what I wanted to study. So at the time I wanted to become a doctor and there weren't exactly any universities there that were able to offer medical, you know, um, studies at the time. Then later on, when I came to the Netherlands, I switched to becoming a lawyer instead. (laughs) Um, but even these types of studies, it's very challenging in terms of getting the right type of education in these countries. And sometimes you face the issue of accreditation, of course. Um, are these diplomas accredited and even recognized overseas? What you oftentimes sometimes have, what a lot of us faced when we came to uh, the Netherlands was uh, the issue of recognizing certain diplomas. So even though you got a diploma from somewhere, the issue is, okay, but how does it get recognized? What level of education should we consider this diploma to be? So you have a lot of the times these different issues that you're facing. And that was one of the challenges, I would say, coming to the Netherlands, um, because um, you know, here in the Netherlands, there's different types of um, levels when it comes to education. But in a British system, we don't have these different types of levels, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, my diploma was considered regular high school. Um, And then the difficulty became, okay, but which type of high school was it? (laughs) You know, so is it sufficient to enter into a specific study here in the Netherlands? So these are the types of issues that you sometimes face when you come to the Netherlands is that because of their education system, it becomes difficult to identify, okay, which category do you belong to? Hey, it's something I have that as well. When I came, I first had to learn the language, and then they were looking okay with your age and the knowledge that you have. Maybe you fit this, or maybe it was a whole hustle before they put me in the according to them the right class. But anyways, that's so so long time ago. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I know that you are a mental health um advocate, right? Tell us yeah. a little bit about that. So how it came about was actually through my own personal experience. Um, So a few years back, um, I experienced a very traumatic event and I developed PTSD as well as depression as a result of that. Here in the Netherlands or in the Caribbean? It happened in the Netherlands. Um, So as a result of that, you know, I went back to the Caribbean for a short period of time because of how I felt and um, what... Um, I realized throughout my experience was how mental health issues are frowned upon, how you're quickly um, receive the, well, you're afraid to receive the label as being crazy, so to Mm. speak, you know, Um, and also 
how everyone kind of asks you to shove it under the rug, keep it quiet, you know, don't let everyone know that, you know, you're going through something. Um, just basically the overall, um, I wouldn't really call it shame, but the overall negative view on mental health issues. Um, and at the time I ended up going to a clinic for about eight weeks. In the beginning, I was very, very hesitant and I was even arguing that I don't want to go because like of, you had to stay there as and sleep there, there eight weeks indeed, because just to stabilize me and everything because I became suicidal as well um, so I became basically a risk to myself so as a result I was taken to a clinic but of course it came with a lot of reluctance from my side because you know it, oftentimes in the Caribbean when you say clinic or to a mental health hospital You think of all the crazy people, so to speak, you know, the people with the stray jackets or you think, um, oh, but those are the people who hear voices and they, they, they are violent towards people and yourself and everything, you know. So I didn't want to get labeled as that, you know, so I was very, very reluctant to go to, to the clinic at the time. And but this was in the Caribbean. This the was clinic. in the Caribbean, yes. Okay. Um, so I stayed there for about eight weeks and I was pleasantly surprised at how wrong my whole perception was of a mental health clinic it was the complete opposite of what I thought and I was actually surprised to see how many people actually have mental health issues as well as the types of people there was so much diversity in who was there we're talking about everyday normal people who you wouldn't think oh there is a mental health issue perhaps here showed up in this clinic you know and That is what pleasantly surprised me. And to be honest with you, it was a fantastic experience because I learned so much in that time and it took away so much stereotypes from me. Even those who had schizophrenia, for instance, or heard voices, even there, my opinion started to change. I started to realize and see that this is a person as well. And it is just a mental health issue that they are dealing with. You know, this is not their identity. This is unfortunately just an illness that they are dealing with, a mental challenge that they are dealing with. But it doesn't make them less than, it doesn't make them incapable of carrying out a conversation. Because I was able to carry out normal conversations with these people. They were able to reason like everyday people, you know. Mm. They were able to debate and challenge and come up with certain ideas. And I was amazed at the experience. And I was amazed to see that, you know, as a society, we often cast away these people thinking, oh, they are crazy. They, they can't function in everyday society. And being in the clinic, I realized that yes, they are capable of functioning in our society. It's just that we have such a negative view on them that we don't give them the chance to operate in this society, you know? So that was one of the major takeaways that I had with my experience in the clinic. Mm -hmm. So after about eight weeks, I was repatriated to the Netherlands where I further went into um, my um, psychological treatment. So I had, for instance, trauma therapy, to deal with the trauma and the PTSD, as well as, of course, therapy to deal with the depression and depressive thoughts and how do I deal with that, for instance. And along my journey, you know, I started to realize that a lot of people have such a misconception and a misunderstanding of mental health and what it entails and what it involves. And I wanted to advocate for mental health basically so I did that in the form of my art <laughs> mm -hmm. so I love writing poetry that was that became my outlet to express my inner feelings my inner emotions and my inner thoughts 
And, you know, I recently was um, approached by a really good friend of mine and he was like, why don't you just start, you know, your own Instagram page where you post your um, poetry and where you raise the awareness in your art, you know? So I use my poetry to really advocate for mental health poetry, uh, sorry, mental health um, mm -hmm. challenges. Challenge. And I oftentimes, you know, either I take inspiration from my own experience or inspiration from the experiences of others because as you can tell mental health has so many different types of categories that it can fall into so I use my poetry to really give voice to the voices that are unheard you know mm. because we are so quick to throw the label this is a crazy person you know and we are so quick to cast them out and cast them away that we don't even give them a chance to show that just like you and I, they are human beings. Just like you and I, they are able to function. They are able to reason. It just means that they may, may have a challenge, an extra challenge to deal with, but it doesn't mean that they are incapable of following conversations that we have every day. It's not in, it doesn't mean that they should be excluded from society. I remember when I was going through a, a trauma therapy as well, I told someone I told a family member whom I was very close with and I was just telling the person like how it's going like actually I was actually telling the person that well this is what I'm going through now and this is the things that I'm doing to you know get better and all that the person was like well then well we don't have any crazy people in our family so um do everything that the doctor tells you to do let them operate your head if they have to let them give you all the medication they have to let them put you in machine and check everywhere to make sure you're not crazy and I was like okay I was kind of a bit embarrassed actually I was like wow so I'm, I'm crazy <laughs> you know it's quickly labeled as crazy and this is one of the things I want to advocate for that it is not crazy you know, mental health, I mean, the same way you go to a doctor when you have issues with your stomach or when you have something on your skin, you go to a dermatologist. The same way that if you have issues in your mind or something is going on up here, there is nothing wrong in seeking help. You know, there's nothing wrong in going to a therapist. And, you know, one, one of the biggest challenges I faced through my personal experience, actually, was so I'm you know, a strong believer in, in God and, you know, um, we follow our faith. And the first thing that was told to me when I started to experience PTSD, when I started to have these nightmares and I started to wake up in, in, in sweat and everything, the first thing that was told to me is, oh, it's a demonic attack. We need to go to church. You know, we need to get you saved. We need to get you delivered. We need to pray it out, etc. Now, Don't I we know it all? <laughs> No. There's pits in people's faces from the prayers and everything, but still, it's still there. Hmm. Exactly. You know, so I was, I had to go from church to church and the praying and the demonic this and the rebuking of that, you know. But all while I was going through this, I still had the issue. You know, I still felt down. I still felt depressed. I still felt suicidal. I still felt in my mind this tightness. It was a really a brain tightness I had in my mind, you know? Mm. And I, you know, I heard a voice inside me just kept on saying, seek help from a psychiatrist or a psychologist, go to therapy, go and seek that medical help, you know? And I remember I went to one of the pastors in one of the churches and I said to him, 
So you maybe think I should also go and seek professional medical help for this, you know? And his immediate response was, are you crazy? You know, um, his immediate response was, um, why would you go to a, a doctor for, for a spiritual problem? You know, mm. and this, I think, is where I realized we also need to educate pastors. Mm. We need to realize that these two things don't work against each other, but they, in fact, help each other. You know, so I'm also right now studying psychology and also trying to deepen myself in that area because I believe that faith and psychology can help each other. You know, they can help explain each other in many different ways. Do I believe in the power of prayer? Absolutely. You know, but I also believe that we need to do deeds. We need to do actions. We need to do things that will actually help make us better. And if walking by faith means going to a therapist to get help for a mental health issue, then that should be welcomed, the idea. It shouldn't be frowned upon. It shouldn't be like, oh, but this is satanic. Mm. This is what, what, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, and you are doing the works of the devil and all of mm. these things I got thrown at me, you know. And in the end, it did turn out to be a mental health issue. And I did <laughs> need medication for some time, you know, and I did get better, you know. Mm. So my experience really made me want to advocate for sometimes walking by faith also means going to a therapist and getting help. Just There's like when we have headache, we go to the house, we go to the doctor to give us medicine or exactly. whatever. Oh, we've exactly. used faith and it's, it's, we twisted it in a way that any little thing you go through, oh, it's the devil. You have to pray, you have to do this. It's, it's, yes. it's getting annoying, actually, if you ask me. And oh. this is why I advocate for mental health. I am a strong advocate for mental health because. I realize there is so much misconception and misunderstanding around mental health that it gets so quickly labeled as crazy or it's so shameful. It's taboo in the cultures. You know, it's like, oh, how dare you talk about mental health, you know? And, you know, one of my favorite podcasts that I like to listen to, it's called Therapy for Black Girls, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things that she mentioned is that in, in, in the black culture, one of the issues that we face is that, um, we have this image that we need to fulfill, you know, in the sense of by the age of 30, you need to be married, you need to have children, you need to have an education, you need to have a good job. So there is this image that all of us need to have, portray, fulfill. And if you don't have it, then you're considered a failure. Mm. You're considered shameful. Me, I'm ashamed of this. My daughter, this, I don't even dare to talk about her because she does, she hasn't mm. accomplished, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm blessed that I have parents who don't think that way, but I do have friends whose parents do think that way, you know, mm. where parents have asked their children, please do not say anything about, you know, your mental health issues because, you know, these, these, you know how these things are, you know, people won't be mm. accepting of you people, you know, it will be difficult for you to get a job. It will be difficult for you to have a career if they know that, you know, you have these issues. So, you know, try to mm. downplay it and try to pretend like, you know, not everything is fine, you know? Mm. And, you know, I, I am so against that now because I'm like, you know, mental health or mental challenges should be talked about, especially in this modern day society where a lot of us are facing depression, for instance. A lot of mm -hmm. us are facing anxiety, burnouts, 
where all of this is rising and there's no platform where we can come together and comfortably talk about these things mm. together. You know, so I really advocate for creating these platforms where we talk about these things, where we are no longer ashamed to admit that there is something wrong with us, you know, mm. and where we can, in fact, help each other out, empower each other. Look, you will overcome, you know, you will get better. You know, look at me, for instance, I've gone through all of these things, but still I am here today mm. and I've overcome, you know, and I really hope that more and more people start to understand these things mm. and more and more people are willing to come together to create these platforms where we can sit together and really talk about these issues. When you moved here to the Netherlands, how was the transitioning for you? Were you happy? Were you comfortable? Were you, like, how was the transitioning for you? Mm. Um, well, there was definitely a lot of culture shock involved, of course, even though I was born in the Netherlands, but I never really... My influential years were in the Caribbean, so I was shaped and molded by the cultures, the traditions, the beliefs, you know. Um, so coming here was definitely a culture shock in the sense of how things are done, how people communicate with each other. For instance, a very simple example, in the Caribbean, when we address each other, we say Mr. or Mrs. and then the surname or their, the first name, you know, but it's always addressed with Mr. or Mrs., you know. Mm. But here in the Netherlands, everyone addresses each other with the first name, you know. Mm. So that was especially when I started to work, it was one of the main challenges I had to overcome because I wasn't used to looking at my manager and calling him by his first name, you know? Um, so there's these small things, you know, also, for instance, take an example of lunch. Mm. Lunch in the Caribbean is warm food, sitting down, taking your time, at least an hour to eat the food versus hair. Oftentimes it's half an hour, 30 minutes. I mean, by the time you sit down, it's already time to get up and mm. go back to work, you know? <laughs> So these were a lot of the cultural differences that I had to face. And at the time, my Dutch was practically non-existent as well. Mm. I spoke very basic Dutch and I had to really learn Dutch while I was here, you know. Um, so these were a lot of the challenges that I had to face. And, you know, that comes along with also internal challenges because, <laughs> mm. you know, you have to take care of yourself in a country where you barely know the language and you don't really know anyone, you don't know the system, you don't know how things work. So, you know, you're having to learn all of that. And were you living on your own? Yes, I was living on my own uh, from the age of 18. So I moved to the Netherlands. I moved immediately into my own apartment. Hey, your own is good, though. (laughs) 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 But, you know, a lot of the things um, I had to do on my own, you know, Mm. I had to get to know the Dutch system on my own. I had to get to know the school system on my own. Waking up in the morning, bring myself to school, you know, come back home, you know, have to cook for myself. So all of these things forced me into um, becoming independent very quickly on my own. And okay, but why did you move? Why did you decide to move here? Was it ba- just solely because of the university that you wanted to, you know, go to a better university, or was it maybe for like better life or something? Because the because the Caribbean is not really going to provide you with that. Well, it was indeed both I would say so on the one side the type of study I wanted to do was not being offered so I had to come to the Netherlands where they do offer those studies but at the same time you know um, financially economically there are a lot of challenges as well and because I wanted to achieve more I wanted to make something of myself I wanted to be able to get the education that I wanted and then from there get a good job get a good paying job and then perhaps one day returning to the Caribbean where I could be my own boss so to speak mm. you know 
So, you know, um, these were the reasons why I went to the Netherlands, because at the time, you know, the Caribbean didn't offer me what I needed. And that was a good university, as well as a good paying job, as well as opportunities um, to make something of myself. Mm, okay, okay. What expectation met when you came here? Well, definitely in the sense of getting the education that I wanted, mm-hmm. as well as getting the opportunities that I was looking for, I definitely did receive that. But of course, it came to the challenges as well, mm, you know, because okay. here you are, um, you're, at the time I was looked up, okay, well, even up to now, um, you know, I'm not seen as Dutch. I'm not seen as fully Dutch, you know, mm. I'm always... As soon as the, you know, they would approach you and the first next question is, well, what, where, do, where are you actually from? You know, mm. um, so that was um, one of the biggest challenges that I had to face was the sense of identity. You know, where do I belong? Because here I have a Dutch passport. I'm born in the Netherlands, but I'm not considered Dutch. You know, the first next question is, but what is your background? Where, where exactly are you from? And as soon as I say, say Caribbean, oh, yeah, yeah, indeed, I can see it from your features. You know, um, I can see it based, you know, on your nose or your lips. And these are the types of comments that you get then, you know. So that was definitely one of the main things that I struggled with during my beginning stages here in Holland was my sense of identity. Where do I belong? You know. Um, And I think that that also contributed to developing mental health issues at a later stage because it puts a lot of stress on you. And the thing with stress is is that if you're not aware of the stress that you're carrying inside, it will build up and build up and build up. And one day the explosion comes, you know, because the, you know, the bottle is full, (laughs) it Mm. has reached its limit, you know? Mm. Um, And I think also because there was there again are no platforms where I can go to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember there was one time we went to a discussion on Africa and the African diaspora, and I was confronted with uh, the issue of, okay, but you're biracial, but where do you belong? <laughs> you know, mm. <laughs> so that was a bit confusing for me because I was like, well, I'm both, and it's possible to be both. And I was. You know, the guy really got upset with me and he was like, no, you're either black or you're white and you have to choose, you know. So that created further identity issues for me because it, you know, I was like, well, all my life I thought I was biracial and now I'm being told I have to choose. And how do I go about choosing? Because I don't feel either or. And I have my challenges on both sides, you know. Um, But yeah, that's another Mm, That's a topic for another day. No, so where can we find you, your work? Where can people follow you so that we can, you know, be inspired and follow all your journey and all that? Uh, Well, I recently started my own Instagram page uh, called Lisa Mula underscore poetry. I'll put it in the description box. Yes. Yeah. So the point of this platform is to basically advocate for mental health as well as other societal issues uh, in the form of poetry. Um, So my main goal is to really reach audiences and to really give voice to these social economical issues. And of course, if anyone has any suggestions on a poem that they would like me to write about or a topic they would like me to discuss, please feel free to send me a message. We can always work together on something. You know, I always look to do collaborations and to work together with people um, in order to raise uh, more awareness. So, yeah. yeah, so please do check her out on her Instagram. I'll put a link in the description box. Show her some love. Will you advise people to move to the Netherlands or to move to the West if they have the opportunity? Or you say, stay wherever you are and just enjoy life and take it one step at a time? Well, you know, one of the things I've learned on my journey is 
um, the right thing will happen at the right time and it will happen in God's timing, <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, I say God's timing, others may phrase it as something else, the universe, as uh, whatever, whatever it is to you, you know, mm. um, it will happen at the right time. And um, whether it is going overseas to pursue an education or whether it is staying home and pursuing something else, perhaps, you know, you need to have that strong belief in yourself that whatever the goal is, whatever you feel your purpose is, you're going to get there. And that might mean that you have to do jobs that you don't necessarily like, or you might have to do things you don't necessarily want to. <laughs> mm. But if you have your goal and your purpose in mind, first, just first try to find out for yourself, what is my passion? Where, what do I really feel like is my calling in life? And when you have taken that journey to figure that out, by all means, go after it, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to move all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> Sometimes you could do it at home, but all I would say is keep an open mind, keep it, keep your ears open for new opportunities, grasp opportunities. You know, if you feel, if you're, if you believe it and you need to pray about it, pray about it, you know, but never stop believing in your goals, in your purpose and be willing to do whatever it takes, even if it means taking the hard road to get to where you want to get in life. And I always believe a bit of faith mixing with actions will get you where you are, where you want to be, you know. Um, but, you know, my mom was a great support. She called me every day while I was in the clinic as well, wanted to talk to me every day, wanted to know how I'm doing. When I got back to the Netherlands, you know, she immediately came running to help to help me and to really, you know, help me to get back on my feet again. My brothers, you know. Early and Brian, also a great support in that, you know. Um, so I'm so thankful to my parents and to my brothers uh, who helped me so much in that period of time. Um, and I have to admit that had I not had that strong support system, I'm not sure I would have gotten as far as I've gotten today, you know. Um, so I am so thankful to my parents and to my brothers. Um, and it's, it's made my journey a whole lot easier because of them, you know? Um, so I would say, you know, anyone who is struggling with mental health challenges or with issues, find yourself a support system, even if it's friends or if it's whoever it is that is there to really be your rock, you know, to really help you through it, please reach out, you know, let people know that you need help, you know, get rid of the pride, so to speak, you know, and, mm -hmm really reach out and ask people for help because that's what's going to help you along the way as well. Let me know in the comment section what you think about this interview. I'll put, again, I'll put Elisa's details in the comment section. Go follow her. And if you have any collaboration, if you want to do anything with her, just hit her up. She's always open for that. Please do subscribe, click on the notification bell, like, comment, and share this video with everyone. And that's all I have for you. Thank you. Bye.